How to feel the fear and do it anyway. Hi, welcome to another episode of Business Mindset Mastery. My name's Heather Gray. I'm a mindset coach for business owners, leaders, and entrepreneurs. You can always find me over at choosetohaveitall.com. And I'm so excited to be talking to you again today after a few days away from the recording device. I'm finding that I have a lot of things to say. In fact, this is one of those episodes where I feel like oddly filled with higher expectations for myself than normal. It's this idea of feeling and maybe even pressure to really get it right. Because I've had an incredible opportunity over the past couple of days, have done some really good thinking. And I think there's lessons here for everybody listening that you can take away with. I just need to say it right. I just need to explain it and put yourself where I am so that I can get you to where you want to go. Um, so dig in and have a listen because I'm going to have a chat with you and hopefully I'll do right by the experience and I'll do right by all of you and you'll get some good takeaways from today's episode. So here's the thing. It starts right away with the title. I had no idea what to title this conversation I want to have with you. Ultimately, I decided it was about feeling fear and doing it anyway, because that's what I want to talk to you about. But it's also about looking back on a really hard time of growth. It's also about going back to the scene of the crime, um, looking at the hardest part of your life and hoping that you did right by it, that there's the lessons that you took from it, the growth you were supposed to do, the insights you were supposed to have, that you took them for all it was worth, and that you evaluate where you've been so you can really see where you are, where you are and get really clear on where you want to go. So you can see why there's a little bit of pressure in this conversation. Why this conversation and why now? Those of you who have been listening to the show for a while know that over the past 12 months, I've been in a huge transition. I used to live on the East Coast in Boston. I moved in December to California, cross country to Southern California for my husband's work. And when I tell you that that move and making the choice to do that move was probably one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. I promise you I'm not exaggerating and I'm not saying it for more clicks and more listens on the show. I'm saying it so that when I talk about the thing that scared me the most, you can tune in for yourself and think about the thing that scares you the most because you might be in a completely different place than I am. You're likely in a different place than I am. So the thing that you're afraid of, the change you might need to make might be wholly in your personal life. You might be in a dead-end relationship that needs some changing. You might be in financial straits and trying to figure out how to get yourself out and how to make the right decision. You may be in some kind of personal predicament I can't even imagine. Or professionally, you may be really unhappy in the business you've built and wanting to make a change and having no idea how to get yourself out of it. You may be sitting on top of a business dream, on top of a business goal that isn't making you any money and you have no idea where to go next or what to do next. Wherever you are, I want you to see yourself in my story. I'm not looking to be self-indulgent and just keep talking about myself. My hope is, is that I'm modeling for you 
I'm offering you transparency, a path, and some mentorship as you start to think about the parts of your life that aren't working and what you might need to do differently to get them to work better for you so that you can be happier. Because at the end of the day, we choose what we want or we choose to compromise on what we want. So for me, in recent years, the scariest, hardest thing was agreeing to move 3,000 miles away from my entire family, all my friends, and the variety of kids in my life. I have best friends with kids. My sister has two kids. It was a crap ton of goodbyes back in December. And before December, it was a period of intense arguing and fighting with my husband. This was a change that in all honesty and in all transparency put my marriage on the line. And I wasn't sure that I was going to get on the other side of that that we were going to get on the other side of that. It was incredibly hard choices, incredibly painful moments, and a whole heck of not knowing what was to come next. December was simply filled with goodbyes. Goodbye after goodbye. I think I spent the first two weeks of December just crying. every day for a different reason, a different person, a different thought, a different, you know, occurrence would come and I would just find myself crying. And it all culminated on December 14th, the day we left Boston for Southern California. And I'm going back to this day. I know I've already shared it with you. And if you wanted and you do want to hear other parts of this journey, I have talked about it in other episodes. And I know I'm going to repeat myself again today. But hopefully the whole story and all of the context offers value for you. But if you do want to go back, you can go back to a November episode or a December episode rather called How to Make a Change. And then if you want to go further back, you can look at a November episode that says, look back, just don't stare. Those are two other episodes of my show where I've talked about this move and I've talked about this transition. But in order to tell this story, I have to go back to the day that I never thought I was going to talk about on the podcast in the first place. And now I'm talking about it again. But December 14th, the day I said goodbye to my parents, that it was the last goodbye after the long goodbyes. Um, and the day that I left Boston, we were flying out of Boston Logan Airport. My husband and I had gotten through security. We were looking at, I'm going to get emotional as I talk, so y'all get to listen to me cry again. But I, t- I promise you, it gets awesome on the other side. So I was in the terminal looking at like what was incredibly probably my last Boston sunset for a while. Um, And I couldn't get it together. And I was thinking to myself that evening, like my husband can't see this. He can't see me sobbing as he takes me away. It just doesn't work. It's not fair. I've made the choice at this point in time to leave. So I just have to do it. And I decided I was going to go to the airport bathroom and I was going to get myself together. Sorry for the emotion, but if I don't tell this story crying, you're never going to get to hear it because I don't know how to tell this story and not cry. But back in December, I was on the airport bathroom floor sobbing, just sobbing. I couldn't get it together. I couldn't picture myself on the other side of this gigantic change. 
I couldn't see myself with just me and my husband and none of my friends, none of my family, none of the kids in my life. I had always thought of myself as really brave. I had always thought of myself as somebody who decided what she wanted in life and just did it. I'd already overcome so much. My mom had died when I was sick. I had spinal meningitis as a kid. I, I was born with a cleft palate. I finally fall in love. I meet my dream guy and he suffers a spinal cord injury two years into our dating relationship. We finally figure out that life together so he can go on to become a doctor and not get waylaid in his dream despite his injury only for him to get sick again in 2015 like I felt like I was a badass I'd already established a mindset business where I was teaching other people how to live their dreams but there had always been this one dream I had this one thing that I didn't want to live in New England anymore. I'd always known that about me. And I had always known that the only reason why I stayed in New England was because of my people. I had never been more than two hours from home. I had never been more than two hours from my best friends. And I got to see all the kids in my life. I got to babysit my nephews regularly. My best friend has three boys. I got to see them whenever I wanted to and had the most incredible playdates. My husband taught one of those kids how to ride his bike on two wheels for the first time. I just didn't see myself as capable. And I think when I look back on it, and I was talking about this to a friend recently, the, the story I had created about myself was that I was really brave and I was really strong and I could dare greatly with Brene Brown and the rest of them so long as I had my people. My story was that I was a little bit like a toddler. I could wander away from my people. I could go and try climbing the jungle gym. I could go and scrape my knee and get back up so long as I could always look back and see my people there telling me, you've got this. You're going to be okay. I think my story was that my tribe made me great. My tribe made me capable. People who could see me, see my talent, see my skills, see my drive and my ambition, help me own it, believe in it for me on the days I couldn't believe in it. I didn't know that I would be the same person without them. So even though the winters had really started to become soul-sucking for me, even though the being cold all the time really started disrupting me, I always thought I was going to be one of those people who would talk about moving and never actually move. It just was going to be my little secret. And then my husband decided that he wanted a super specific job. He wanted to work in a VA only, so a veterans hospital only, and he only wanted to work with spinal cord injured patients. There were six jobs in the country for that, one of which was in Syracuse, New York. Those of you who live in that part of the country might imagine my reaction if I was already unhappy with a New England winter that I might not want to sign up for a Syracuse winter. I certainly didn't. We had very few options, and the best option was the option furthest away in Southern California.
That is just how the chips laid. And it was one of those situations where it really was his turn. Because when I wanted to close my brick and mortar practice, he supported me. When I wanted to do this cockamamie, who's ever heard of it, of an online business offering mentorship and mindset consultates, you know, consultation and performance coaching to business owners, he just got on board. I knew it was my turn to say yes to what he wanted, and I did it. And on December 14th, I was sitting on the floor of that airport bathroom, not sure I could get on the plane. Those of you who have listened to the show for a while know that it turned out okay ever since. It's been a crap ton of green lights since we've landed in California. I... I'm so glad that we did it. I've been so happy. The yellow lights quickly turn green. There's a lot of universal design. Getting, um, you know, getting my husband around in this area is just so much easier than back east. Um, I get to take the disability cop um, persona off a little bit, and I get to just be the wife, which has really been awesome for my marriage, especially considering where we were and all the really hard conversations and fights that we were having before we left. It's just been incredible. Um, I've been incredibly happy. I've been incredibly proud of myself. But I've also really held on to the woman who was sitting on the floor of the airport bathroom sobbing, thinking, I can't get on that plane. How am I ever going to get on that plane? And then recently, we had a death in my family, and it became clear that going home to be with my family for the services was what I absolutely wanted to do, what I needed to do, and it was time to go home again for the first time. And as it goes in airports, those of you who travel regularly know that the airlines use the same terminal, they use the same gate. So this past Sunday evening, if you're listening to this in real time, I flew into Logan Airport, landed right around the same time I left in December. So the lighting was pretty similar. And there's the bathroom. And after a six hour flight, you need the bathroom. (laughs) And I as I'm landing, I'm hearing the flight attendant saying, for those of you who live in Boston, welcome home. And I'm finding myself in that weird in-between land where it's only been four months since I've left, but it doesn't feel like home anymore. Um, And that my home feels like California. And all of those thoughts and all of those feelings are sort of swirling about. And just like I started with you on the show earlier, I was filled with emotion and instantly started to cry. And I'm heading towards the same damn bathroom. (laughs) And I walk in and I'm overcome with emotion. Not heartache, not brokenness not despondent, not lost, not scared, incredibly, incredibly grateful that I got off the freaking floor and got on that plane four months ago. Grateful for the life that I built for myself, for having the faith 
that something could be better on the other side. And if it wasn't, I could believe myself capable of fixing whatever went wrong or any unhappiness I might have experienced. It just all came flooding back to me, my friends. And the first thing that I wanted to do was tell people who had been with me on the journey. I talked to a friend about it, and I'll tell you about that later on in this episode, in this discussion. But I couldn't wait to tell all of you. Because I knew in that moment that I was in it with you. Because whatever you're scared of, whatever is haunting you, whatever choice you need to make and you're afraid to move, whatever dream you have that you're afraid to go after it, you can't get there. You can't do the thing if you're waiting to stop crying. If you're waiting to stop being afraid, if you're waiting until the moment where you want to get up off the floor, it just doesn't happen. The life you want, the dream you have, the resolution to whatever tough problem you're, you know, sitting with, managing and dealing with, none of that gets better until you choose to move. I got on that plane and I just kept avoiding my husband's eyes because I was like, as soon as he sees me, he's going to see that I've been crying. So if I just keep looking down and keep reading my magazine and keep listening to my podcast, at some point in time, my eyes will stop being red and I'll be okay. Eventually that happened, but there was no waiting until it felt like the right time. It never would have been the right time. I would have still been sitting on that damn floor. It's about feeling the fear and doing it anyway. That is a cliche that is brandied about in the entrepreneur space and all the self-help, all the motivation books. And until you live it, you really don't understand it. Because you really do tell yourself a story that if I just work on my mindset, if I just work on my confidence, I'll just figure it out. And having been there, I can tell you positively, without a doubt, that is not true. I never would have believed myself capable until I had done it. And for you, your scariest thing might not be a cross-country move. For you, the most intimidating thing might not be saying goodbye to people. But whatever the thing is that does scare you and does intimidate you, I promise you, if you wait until you get ready for it, opportunities are going to pass you by. Open doors and open windows are just going to end up being slammed shut. And wherever you go, there you are. I was thinking about specific things I wanted to make sure that I said and specific points and takeaways that I wanted to offer you. And that is the first thing that came to mind is you cannot wait for confidence. You cannot wait to believe that it'll happen. It will take a leap of faith. It will take not knowing what's going to happen on the other side to get you there. It just doesn't wait for you to feel like you're ready, to feel confident. It doesn't happen like that, I promise you. The next thing I want you to think about is finding your people. I had a good crew of people 
who were with me through the entire journey. From the first time my husband talked about his professional dreams and acknowledged that they probably were going to take us outside of New England and a good distance from home, I had girlfriends. I was especially lucky that I had my in-people tribe, my like long-term best friends and my girlfriends and my sister and family members, but I was also really lucky that I had a crew of online friends who weren't invested in me moving because they were already used to me not being where they were so that they could hold my sadness without... Um, having to be sad themselves, which was really important. But you have to find your people. But your people have to be people who want what you want for yourself. And that's not going to be everybody on the list. Sometimes when you start talking about daring greatly, dreaming big and going for broke, you're going to have people in your life who are threatened by that notion, who are intimidated by it, who when they see you doing it, they want to point a finger and that finger really needs to be turned around and pointed at themselves because they just in your strength see their own weaknesses and that's unavoidable and it's heartbreaking but really do an analysis really do a gut check with yourself and make sure you find your people because I had an online friend who as soon as I landed this past Sunday I couldn't wait to get on my Voxer walkie-talkie app and just tell her to say, listen, like, I'm on the other side. I'm back at the scene of the crime. I'm staring at the door to the bathroom. And I am so freaking glad that I got on that plane. And I had my best girlfriend local here when I was in the bathroom the first time telling her, I'm not quite sure I can get off the floor. <laughs> and she told me to go and get myself some beer, which incidentally was the most perfect advice on the planet. Um, but find your people. Know who you can go to and know that for some parts of the journey, it's going to be one person. For other parts of the journey, it's going to be another. Returning to town, feeling proud and confident, it might not be the best thing for me to choose my local people and say, I'm so glad I moved away from all of you. I'm so happy. That, that can be hard to hear for people. So find your people. Know that you don't have to do it alone. Know that you can do it with company and you can have a witness. But some parts of this path, you are absolutely going to have to walk alone. It is completely unavoidable. When I look back on my past year, I can think of moments where it was just me, myself, and I making choices for myself, setting the course, riding the ship, making the path, saying the hard things, making the hard decisions. And we can't have our hands held through that entire process. Part of, you know, I left that airport on Sunday, walking back into Boston for the first time, and I held my head so high. I felt so proud, so confident, so right with myself. I don't think I would have been able to feel that if I had constantly surrounded myself with help and support. I walked some of this path alone. So then when I owned it on the other side, it was appropriate that I was leaving that airport by myself too. My husband couldn't come for the trip. He needed to work. So I left the 
the airport on Sunday, heading back to see my family with all of the pride, all of the confidence, because I had done it. Me. Yes, I had my people. I absolutely needed my people. But I also had to have moments sitting in the dark, asking myself, what is it that I really want? If I wasn't scared and I could just get the ending I wanted, what is the ending that I wanted? You can't do all of that with somebody. You can't always have somebody rescue you or make the hard parts easier. Because the real growth, the insight, the personal development happens in the hard. We get insight when things are easy. We get insight when things go our way. We learn how to practice gratitude. We learn how to stay present and mindful in the moment. But that real growth, the kind of growth that leaves you leaving an airport feeling a little bit like a rock star, that happens in the moments of hard. I had to do that part or else I never would have had the confidence, self-awareness and self-assuredness that I had leaving the airport on Sunday evening. The other thing you got to think about here is making exceptions, but not excuses. This was a hard one for me to wrap my mind around. And I've been talking a lot to people and sharing insights about this, about the different parts of this journey where I just had to show myself some self-acceptance, self-compassion, and recognize that the way I always did things just wasn't going to work this time. And one of the things that I've shared in previous episodes was the idea that during this transition, despite having lost a lot of weight several years ago, this was not going to be the time for me to maintain my fitness, work out regularly, and lose weight. And I gained a good amount of weight in that period of time. I'm proud to say and happy to say now that I'm on the other side of hard. I absolutely am back to exercising, taking good care of myself. I'm watching the weight come off again. But at the time, I was incapable of dealing with all those emotions, managing all of that, not living in our house. We were living temporarily in extended stays and extended hotels and all of this that we were eating takeout every night. I couldn't put it on top of myself on, I couldn't put it on myself on top of all of those transitions and change, all those goodbye meetings that you inevitably want to extend by saying yes to dessert. I needed to recognize that I wasn't going to be taking in good physical care of myself during that time. It was an, it, you know, it was an exception, not an excuse. Um, I owned it and I chose it mindfully because I had to show myself some self-compassion. And when we try to make major changes and then keep everything else the same, so nothing else has to get compromised, nothing else has to be shifted or moved in the transition, I think we set ourselves up to fail. It becomes too hard, so we stop doing it and we stop trying. So what I really want you to think about is what can you give yourself permission in the moment of change and the moment of daring greatly to kind of back off on. I did it with my weight. I also did it with the 
recording of this show. Those of you who have been listening for a while know that there were two extended periods of time where I kind of had to back off from my business a little bit. I couldn't talk about mindset when I was living mindset. And I couldn't get my act together enough just like productivity-wise to pre-batch and pre-record a bunch of episodes because that's not really the heart of the show in the first place. So I had to make an exception, but I didn't make excuses. I think excuses keep people stuck and immobile. They say they can't because they don't have enough time. They say it's not going to happen because they don't have enough money or too many people will be upset and they come up with all kinds of excuses. That's not what I'm talking about here and I challenge you to figure out the difference for yourself. The other thing that I really became crystal clear on, again, I've always known this, this is kind of one of my tenets when I talk to people, but change changes us. And we have to make room for that. I think sometimes we want to box it in so that it becomes more manageable, feels more approachable, feels less scary, but it does not work that way. Um, How we look at the world, how we move through the world, how we make decisions, it's going to change us. We can't prevent it and we shouldn't prevent it because that's another place where the growth and the insight lies. And we need to know who who we are and who we're capable of being on the other side of that change. And it doesn't work if we try to just do one thing differently. So I can't expect to simply change my location and keep all the other things the same. One of the ways that this recent move has changed me is I am not in a rush to make new friends. I know that in good, healthy personal development, I've got to. I have to put down real roots with real relationships and real connections here in California. I also know that I'll do that in time. But the uh, the Heather a year ago would have told you like she has to join a gym she has to um do some local meetups she has to do hobbies or find activities where she can meet other people. That's what I was thinking about my life a year ago. All of the things I would have to do. I've just backed off. I don't think that anymore because I've dared greatly enough. I've been brave enough. I don't have to go and put myself outside my comfort zone for one more thing. But the Heather you would know a year ago would never have said that. The Heather you know a year ago would have said, well, absolutely, you don't get settled until you build a life and we need people and we need relationships and it just changes us change it really does you have to accept it make room for it and give it permission and let it be okay and don't get intimidated by it the other thing is is change changes those around us and I think if you look at your life and you look at whatever your big scary thing is that isn't moving cross country it may be but I doubt doubt it but if you look at the thing that's been holding you back the thing that's getting you in your own way the the struggle in your life that you want to get past and put behind you subconsciously my story is that you are also aware that that change will change your relationships that people will have reactions to it that you might at some point in time have to have hard conversations with people that you can't change and expect everybody around you to stay the same. 
And that's absolutely positively true. And it comes with grief. It comes with sadness. I have a friend who was ever present with me on the East Coast who called and texted regularly, who I saw at least every other week. I've barely heard from her since I've been out here. Um, I know that to be true. Like, I just know that like some people can only do local. And maybe she's not somebody who can maintain long distance friendships. I would, you know, I wouldn't, um, I'm trying to think of the word I wanted to, you know, I wouldn't begrudge her that. I wouldn't, you know, say that she's done anything wrong. She's being consistent with who she is or it's too hard for her to look at, whatever. I'm not going to tell stories or create reasons for why I think that this has shifted and shifted our relationship. But I do know that if I look around at all my variety of relationships, it's changed them. If you think about life staying the same and you think about the like perfectly smooth summer time lake with the sun on it and everything's fine and then somebody comes and just takes a huge old rock throws it in the middle and there's ripples and waves that's what happens to our world around us when we make gigantic changes some of the changes in the world around us are going to be great and surprising. I've definitely built deeper connections and more intimate connections with some of my other friends and other people in my life. I've definitely been more intentional about connecting and staying in touch with the people who matter. Um, there's been real positive changes to my relationships, but some of them have been injured and battered a little bit by this move. I have to accept that. And you're going to have to accept that if you want to make a change, it's going to bring conflict. It's going to bring tension. So many people were pushing back with me when I was talking about this move and identifying that I held my husband solely responsible. Thank God he doesn't listen to the show, the poor man. But, you know, so much of it was identifying that I was doing this for him. And people had a reaction to that. Why are you doing this? How much more are you going to give up? You already take care of him with his disability, et cetera, et cetera. But for me, it was about, I have to see how this works out. Like I have to get to the other side of it. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But I have to know. Those are the types of things you're going to need to prepare yourself for. And you're going to need to make room and make space for it. Um, I was saying to a girlfriend the other day, um, and I've probably actually have shared this on the show before, but the word bittersweet is like my favorite word on the planet. I love that word. The idea that something can be bitter and sweet at the same time. That's what growth, change, and personal development is all about. It is incredibly bittersweet. I could not think of a more perfect way to look at the bathroom on December 14th and returning to the bathroom on April 8th. Rather, no other word came to mind. It was just incredibly bittersweet. As you heard me talking earlier, you can hear the emotion and how close to the surface it still is for me that time in December when I was so lost and so scared. So I'm still holding that. But now I have this incredible sweetness. I have a house that I adore. Um, 
we live in Southern California and my husband's super into car racing. Um, and there's a car race local to us this weekend. So I'm taking him for our first kind of Southern California race weekend. I am so excited about what comes next. We're getting ready for our first California summer and the heat I'm sure is going <laughs> to intimidate the crap out of me too. <laughs> but I'm so excited. But I still get so sad when I think about the spring days of all my kids getting back to their playgrounds that I used to meet them at and hearing them yell and squeal and run around and chase. And I'm not going to get to be there for those things. And when I look back on my life in New England, those were my best days ever outside in the sun with the variety of kids I've collected in my life. I'm going to have a really good summer here in Southern California. If I'm lucky, somebody else will come back and visit me and I'll have people from back east to share my new life with. But I also have to recognize that life is going to go on back there. If you expect change to just be awesome and amazing and you don't make room for the bitter, as soon as it tastes sour, as soon as it you know, starts to look like it's turning left when you need to, to go right, you'll quit. You have to expect the good with the bad, make room for both and hold both so that you can get through it. Because some days it's only going to be bitter. There are days where I was just so filled with anger and resentment and I was incapable of kindness and compassion about this change. And there were equal days where I couldn't stop myself from just positively bouncing off the walls, getting so excited and thinking about all of the things that can come next. You're going to have to do that for yourself as as well. Um, however you think about it, some people talk about holding space. Some people like to think about honoring it. Some people like to apply the word mindfulness to it. I just like to say, hold it with intention. But whatever your concept is of really looking in this in the eye and owning it, that's what I want for you. The other thing that I have really gotten crystal clear with myself on in this journey is what is right now won't always be. And that means for good and for bad. Right now, sitting here in Southern California, I'm recording this podcast from my closet today because I'm trying to see if the acoustics sound better. And it sounds a little bit warmer than in my half-empty house where the echoes are everywhere. Um... But I'm sitting on a perfectly sunny day in Southern California. I'm looking forward to my first racing weekend. Um, Things are just looking up right now. I know that's not always going to be true. I'm still married to a man with a disability who's going to have health complications. I know that I'm going to have some sort of setback. I know it's not always going to be on life on the sunny side of the street simply because I've moved to a sunnier place. It's going to get hard again. I'm going to get knocked down. I'm going to hit a red light. I'm going to hit another red light. A stop sign will beat me over the head. And then it'll be good again. As you go through the process, you have to recognize that there's a time for both. Sometimes it's going to be all green lights. Sometimes you're going to have to look for them. That's actually another podcast episode of mine that might be worth going back to. It's called Look for the Green Lights. So you can uh, check that one out too. But it's it's not always going to be good and it's not always going to be bad. 
that's the thing about change is it, it, <laughs> it keeps happening, right? Regardless of whether or not we want it to, we can control it as much as possible, get it heading in the direction we want it to go. But ultimately, we're going to get tripped up. So in the moments that are really hard, you push through and you get yourself to the other side by reminding yourself that what is right now won't always be. Then when it's really good, you grab onto it with all you've got, hold it so close in gratitude and awareness and self-acceptance and self-compassion and do your best to be mindful and aware of all of the joy. The other thing is (laughs) you always have to make room for growth again. When I first got to California, my line for anything new, any scary, intimidating thing was, I've been brave enough. Um, And I have been brave enough, and hopefully I don't have to be brave again for a while. But this is life. And if we want to live it to the fullest, if we want to be the best versions of ourselves as possible, we have to recognize that we don't stop growing. There is no final step unless we just numb out, tune out, and start going to a land of avoidance. So we have to prepare ourselves for that. We have to remind ourselves that we get to control the time and the pacing, but ultimately we have to get ready because change never ends. You know, I as I was saying this, I just had this image of being in the back seat of my car as a kid with my sister and asking my dad, are we there yet? Are we there yet? I'm sure you parents can identify with that phrase. I, I think that if I were to look at airport departure to airport arrival, I'd say like we never actually get there. We just keep on going. I actually think that's a really great spot to wrap this conversation up with you today. So I'm going to leave it for you there. Thanks so much for joining me. Thanks so much for listening and tuning in and being a part of this journey with me. It's added an extra gift and more value that my heartache, my period of sad, my period of fear might someday in some way inspire somebody listening to take their daring greatly step and to choose their next move. If you're stuck and you don't know where to go, how to get there, send me a letter, heather at choosetohaveitall.com. Let me know what you think about the show. Let me know where you're stuck. I'd happily cover your question on a future episode. And if you are getting value from the show, if you know somebody who needs this, please share the show. Please consider going to your podcast app and leaving a review and letting people know that it's valuable. The best way to get the word out is through word of mouth and people sharing it. If you find value here, please share it so other people Ken as well. Thanks so much for joining me today. I look forward to talking to you next time. Bye for now.